here we go. 214, episode 214 of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast. How you doing today? I hope well. I hope relaxed. Um, a very incendiary world that we're living in right now. It's, it's pretty remarkable, societally, what we've been going through over the last four years. How are you holding up? I think it takes a lot of awareness and uncanny ability to slow down and be present to, I don't want to say ignore, but, but not be emotionally impacted by this, I, I, I guess I'll say very hawkish culture that we live in right now. My cat, Leo, just walked in right now. It just feels like a lot of fires are being stoked. And um, we need to work really hard right now to extinguish these fires. I I don't want to talk culturally here right now, but I, I have really been thinking a lot about the word reaction. You know, does anybody care to understand or want to understand why our culture reacts the way that it's reacting? This episode may feel a bit anecdotal. It's it's my perspective, but you know, we all have our own lived experience. And I just I've been really thinking about reactions and are we really working to understand instead of judging other people or pointing fingers, are we are we doing any effort to um have a better understanding about why people are reacting the way they react. Instead of criticizing them, we're trying to understand them. Just a week ago, I woke up with this, I guess, lump or growth or I don't know if it was a cold sore, but it was in my mouth. And it was in a very precarious spot. It wasn't like on the inside of my mouth or my lip or tongue. It was sort of like in this almost by my gums on the bottom side corner of my tongue. I I didn't know what it was, but there I went. I I went online. I was researching, oh my God, what what is this? Is this cancer? Uh, Is it a cold sore? Um, I found myself incredibly anxious worried, do I call the doctor? And and I sort of go through this this stage or I go through this phase in my head where it's like, okay, I'm going to give it a week or two. See if my body can, you know, recover, fight it off on its own, and if it doesn't, then it's time to call a doctor. And people could think I'm insane, that I'm overreacting, that I'm being hypersensitive. Um but I guess I've had a lot of health stuff that uh, has gone on in my life over the years, and it's become very clear to me that the body has these surprises that sort of unleash um, on our bodies, and we don't know when that can happen. I mean, at any day, something tragic can happen, or we get bad news. And I think about that sometimes, sort of the fragility of life, um, how this moment can be taken for granted, how this moment can immediately... um, and dramatically change at any moment. Tomorrow could be another beautiful day. Today's this gorgeous sunny day in in LA. I had an amazing swim this morning and 
I don't know what's in store for me tomorrow. And I sort of have this way of looking at life. Whereas my neighbor, five doors down, uh, overweight, smokes, drinks, uh, he may have a growth on his mouth and he won't even think twice about it. He'll ignore it. And it won't even be a part of his mental periphery. He'll just uh, live his life and, and go about his day. We all have these occurrences every day that happen, and we all react differently. And I think that's what's so overwhelming, because the news media is showing the reactions. We have all these commentators 24 hours a day, all these people on Twitter 24 hours a day, spewing their vitriolic reaction or judgments. It's too difficult, too time-consuming, and the rate in which news is uh, imported into our brains is moving at such a frenetic pace that we don't have the time to understand one another. We don't have the time to show compassion or empathy towards the other side. It's much easier to just spew a reaction and point fingers. And that's what our culture is doing right now. Do you think anybody cares about, you know, why I react the way I do about particular things? No. I can tell you why I react a particular way. I can tell you why I had a particular reaction towards COVID over the last couple of years and sort of my curiosity and confusion about the way that we handle that situation. I have a very good understanding of health and, and the human body, and, and I have my own experience that made me have this point of view. But nobody really cares. And, and I think that's a really troublesome, important point here, though, is that um, we are living in a day where everybody on television, on Twitter, on social media, on the news media is all about pointing fingers and just reacting. But where is common sense? And where is trying to get a better understanding? I think it takes a lot of work to understand why people react a particular way. I think it's easy to blame one person, to blame, you know, social media, um, violence in, in film and television. I, I just, I think there's so many layers and levels to the complexities of our society. And I don't think we live in this world now where people really want to understand why people react the way that they do. It's, it's, it's going to take too much time, too much work, and the way at which news and information is flooding at us every day, um, we don't have time. Nobody cares. I won't forget this time when I was working in an office. This was maybe 18 years ago. And I, at the time, during the summer, I would go to Whole Foods, and one of the highlights of my day was to get some watermelon and have watermelon in the afternoon. It was sort of like the highlight of, of my day in the office. It was really hot in the summer. And I remember going to the kitchen, slicing some watermelon, putting it onto my desk, and then going to the bathroom to wash my hands. And then I come back to my desk and one of my co-employees 
has his hands on my watermelon, grabbing some pieces. And I was, I was furious. And obviously he was hoping that uh, I wouldn't see him, but I caught him. And he walks back to his desk and he's laughing and giggling. And, and I'm, I'm saying something like, you know, you just, you could have asked, you could have said something. You can't just grab something that isn't yours. And he's just laughing and giggling. And I could tell that my way of communicating isn't getting across to him, that he just doesn't care. And um, he's giggling and laughing. And so I grab a piece of watermelon. Hey, buddy. And I throw it at the wall right behind him. My intention wasn't to hit him. So I grab a piece of watermelon and I throw it at him. And then sort of he becomes very emotional, shocked, and then goes to the supervisor and reports me. And I end up getting in trouble. So... You know, did I overreact? You know, at the time, 20 years ago, I was heightened. I had such a heightened level of germophobia. Like it's, it's certainly gotten to a place now where it's, it's sort of managed and controlled. But I was such a germaphobe. I didn't particularly like this employee to begin with. The other thing, and I remember saying this to my supervisor, it didn't matter. Very often, if, if this guy and I were in the bathroom... He would often go to the bathroom and leave without washing his hands. So, of course, my brain and head goes to this place of his unwashed hands are touching my watermelon, and he just is putting his germs all over the place, and it really pissed me off. And I was trying to explain this to him, and he was just sort of laughing about it like I was being, you know, uh, like I was overreacting. And so I end up getting in trouble. And it's sort of like, when is a reaction an overreaction? Who, who decides? Like, did it matter that I was germophobic? Did it matter that he never washed his hands when he went to the bathroom? Did it matter that he didn't ask if it was okay if he grabbed a piece of watermelon? Like, none of that matters. We're, we're all, we're only myopically just looking at reactions, all these reactions going on across the country. But do we, do we really want to understand why people are reacting this particular way? Why people are so one way or the other? I've, I've been playing a lot of golf lately. And I get to the golf course, and I have my tea time, and I'm playing at a course that's really hard to get into. And there's a guy, he's dressed in this, this polo shirt, nice pants, uh, very short, uh, cutting, uh, very, very clean cut haircut. And he, he really nicely is asking the person at the tea box, gosh, are there any cancellations? Do you think there's any chance I can get on the course? And he's, he's being really cordial and sincere and nice. And the person in the tea box uh, is saying, you know, this is one of the busiest courses in LA. I can't promise anything, but we're going to see what we can do. And he's, he's thanking the person. And, and uh, so I sort of go on my way and go out and go onto the golf course. And I'm on the fifth hole and I shank a tee shot way to the other fairway, down, like on the other hole. And I can't find my ball. And then lo and behold, this, this person on this fairway um, is yelling, hey, there's a, there's a bright green ball over here. And I'm, I'm like, oh my God, that's amazing. It's, that's mine. 
So I go over there and I strike the ball and and I'm about to go. And then I see the guy, that's the, the clean cut guy about to hit a shot. So he got on, uh, he got on the course. And he's yelling out, look out, everybody, look out, I'm about to hit. And he takes his he takes his glove and he swings and he totally like hits the ground and shanks it and the ball barely goes anywhere. And he just screams, fuck, I fucking suck at this game. And he grabs his club and he just bangs it onto the ground. I mean, I had no idea that this clean cut, uh, relatively seemingly innocuous guy seemed very mild mannered. He, he was a menace on the golf course. I mean, F-bombs everywhere. And I felt so sorry for the people playing with him. Now, do I want to understand why he's reacting that way and, and ask what happened when he was a child that potentially caused him to have these anger issues? No, <laughs> I certainly don't care. He's not my friend. And, and multiply that times a billion with all the people, you know, in the world reacting particular ways. And, and I think, you know, now that we have cameras and social media everywhere, um, we're watching reactions every single day. And we're making judgments about them all every single day. One other story on the golf course. I'm playing with a really nice guy. Uh, he's an ex-Marine, good golfer. This is a couple weeks ago, and we're playing behind this group of four that's kind of playing a little slow. It's, it's a father and two kids, his father and two sons, and another guy. And they're playing a little slow, uh, although the, the group in front of them isn't going much further. Uh, it's not really bothering me very much, but lo and behold, sorry, my cat's here. Lo and behold, we're, on, we're, we're about to get to the green. Leo, stop it. We're about to get onto the green of our current hole. And this ex-Marine, he ends up walking up to one of the guys in the foursome in front of us. And I don't know what he says, but he's he basically is saying, hey, you know, can you guys speed it up a little bit? And of course, part of me is thinking, you know, what was it worth saying something? You know, at what point is it worth saying something? At what point is it worth um confronting somebody else. What caused this ex-Marine to react this way and say something? So then we're on the green uh, putting, and then all of a sudden the other guy in the group in front of us is marching towards us, towards our green, and yelling, hey, buddy, hey, what the fuck are you doing talking to us, telling us to speed up? And so he comes right up to our green and is in the guy's face yelling at him, basically saying, I'm playing with two kids um, and the foursome in front of us isn't playing much faster. Where do you get off telling us to, to play faster? And the ex-Marine is saying, look, buddy, I'm just trying to get you to stay um, at the same pace as the group in front of you. And, you know, to my point here, you can't understand... You certainly can't control, and there's no rhyme or reason for reactions. We, we will never understand why some people react one way and other people react another way.
It takes years, maybe a lifetime, to handle anxiety, to, to sort of control and handle your emotions, to be an observer. You know, in the yoga practice and in meditation, it's about observing the thoughts. Don't react, but just observe and notice. But I, I don't think um, our society is, is able to wrap their head around that concept of, of slowing down, observing and noticing, and not reacting. Is that possible anymore? And then this, this wave of information from the pandemic, Roe versus Wade, the Ukraine war, social media, the news media, the fast-paced rate at which information is flooded at us every day, is it possible to just notice, to, to take, take it in, <laughs> slow down, and sort of live with something for a few days before vomiting and, and sharing your viewpoint? But there's this mad rush. Everybody needs to be first. Everybody needs to share their point of view every single day about everything going on. There isn't a understanding. There's no interest in understanding what is going on with our society. Why are people reacting this way? Notice I didn't say overreacting. When is a reaction an overreaction? Is it ever an overreaction? Because one is reacting to a particular incident in a way that is natural to them. So it maybe at no point is a reaction an overreaction. That's why I talk about, it, it sounds very fluffy of me or overly sensitive of me to say, you know, words can potentially be violent. But if you um, say the F word to somebody, if you say something a particularly, uh, in, a, in an offensive or negative way to somebody, and then they pull out a knife or they pull out a gun and shoot you, yes, the, the, the gun is potentially an overreaction. But words hurt. You know, even being on the golf course and hearing that guy yelling the F-bomb a few times, even though he was saying it to himself, I did feel uh, anxious. I, I, didn't, I, I felt like I was around somebody where um, a bomb could go off at any second. And that's sort of the world that we are living in, where... It's almost like bomb. The only way to get anybody's attention now is to drop a bomb. These are sort of emotional bombs that are going off. And, and instead of trying to understand why people are reacting a particular way or understanding this culture, we're pointing fingers and just reacting and the news just keeps going. And we just, I guess, I guess we have to pick up the pieces. I talk a lot. I want to play a clip from the Bill Maher show, sort of highlighting my point a bit. I like Bill Maher. This is episode 604, Danny Strong, James Kerchick, and Crystal Ball. Bill Maher does have this sort of hawkish, uh, relentless approach in blaming Trump for everything in our society. I want to play this clip where he has James Kerchick and Crystal Ball on the show, and she's making the point that I'm trying to make here that the problem is much deeper in our society than one human being. I think you're 
100% correct that... Oh, good. <laughs> look, people should, who commit crimes should be charged with crimes. I just think it's a little delusional to oh, think great. that's going to fix the problem. Well, ch because to charge him with a crime? I mean, I... how do we, how does that fix the core problem of <laughs> the rot in our society? Separate, is any, is any right, but that's the what I'm that, saying. I, I'm just saying, look, it's not a magic bullet here. Why would... We have to delve into how we got to this place in the first place. And so I would love but to see the asking... same energy that's being applied to the January 6th commission. I'd love to see that energy to, say, the people who have rigged our system, the monopolists, but the price gougers, the Wall okay, Street okay. ghouls. Where is that okay. energy as well? Right, okay, well, that you're right. That should be in the mix, too. But your premise here that why should we prosecute people for crimes? I didn't what would say that... we shouldn't prosecute them. No, I said you that, said, what don't, will that don't do? Don't think that that's going to solve the fundamental problem in our Would society. you say that about uh, criminal justice in general? Of course, sure, yeah. That it doesn't this solve is, the problem? This is a symptom, of course, yes. It doesn't. That, that is dealing with a symptom. Arresting of criminals and putting society. them in jail I mean, does not help the problem massive, of crime? We have this She should run for DA in San Francisco. Society today right. and say that right. oh, it's just Trump. And if we just get Trump out of the way, everything okay. will be fine. Now, yeah, there's this, and I agree with her. I think we um, look at society in such simplistic ways. Um, and it's, it's, which I understand because who wants to go to therapy for years? Who wants to really understand why somebody is behaving that uh, particular way? Who wants to really understand why society seems to be more violent than it used to be? And if social media companies aren't being checked or balanced, uh, if they're all being run to, to make billions of dollars, if the news media corporations know that people are so ADD that the only way they get anybody's attention is to be as outlandish as possible, um, like, like, does anybody... Th these are unsolvable, unsolvable problems. So I guess um, the easy thing to do is to point fingers, uh, react, talk about our reactions, um, break things, complain. I mean, what else can we do? Or I guess we just ignore it to the best of our ability. I, I guess my problem with that is, is that, you know, we could ignore it, I guess, move to Alaska, move to some faraway place in Colorado or Spain, but you are going to be ultimately surrounded by people who do uh, act, um, have this addictive quality to their phone. They may be um, also aggressive. They might be angry. They may be mentally unstable. I mean, we're going to be coming across these types of people every day. So I do believe if we are more mentally balanced as a society, it's, we're all better off. But, but what, what do we do? Is, is there anything that we can potentially do to fix the, this problem? It's, it's so easy. I'm so tired of people, you know, pointing fingers at one thing. If you notice, uh, I've moved past just, you know, social media. It's not just social media. It's the news media. It's the way we're raised. It's living in a world where uh, money is, is, is the goal. Feelings don't matter. Being empathetic and sympathetic doesn't matter. That's not as sexy as being a millionaire. It's just far too complicated. I can't begin to tell you why um, that ex-Marine couldn't have just 
let bygones be bygone and just, you know, not walk up to that group in front of us and say, hey, can you speed it up a little bit? And then you have this other guy that uh, didn't like being told what to do, and he's yelling at, at this guy. And they're both holding golf clubs, and I'm thinking to myself, are they going to start swinging? And then I have another guy down another time when I'm playing who's, you know, yelling the F-bomb while he's playing golf. I mean, I don't understand why people are this way. It's human nature. I think we do need to observe Think before we act. Slow down. There is a cacophony of noise everywhere we go. What are you going to do? What am I going to do? What are we all going to do to ignore it? To slow down and turn in and eliminate the noise. I just finished reading the Liz Fair book called Horror Stories. It's fantastic. I can't, I can't believe how good it is. So she's a mother, and she's, I think, at a beach. And there's a boy with her dad. Uh, there's a boy with his... There's a boy with his dad at the beach. Um, and here she is. This is Liz. All of a sudden... The playful boy loses his balance and falls face first into the water. He jumps right back up again, but the front of his clothes are soaking wet. Enraged, the father backhands his son off his feet. His tiny body arcs backward through the air, landing five feet away from where he started. I gasp, going completely rigid. My heart starts thumping in my chest. The father walks over and picks the little boy up by the arm and kicks him in the ribs. This man is beating his child like a dog. I make a guttural sound that starts deep in my throat. My hands fly up to my chest, one on top of the other. Like a sudden squall, it is suddenly over. Nobody moves. We don't call out. They wouldn't hear us. They're too far down the slope. So far below, in fact, that they look like miniature dollhouse figures, almost unreal. I am shaking. The man's other children don't react at all. It's clear from their body language that this is an everyday occurrence. I want to run down there and smash this asshole's face in with a rock, watch the lake, watch the lake water turn red around our desperately grappling bodies. I can see his mouth spluttering, his eyes wide with surprise, as I drown him in the shallow water. I take this scenario forward in time to his college graduation, the boy's graduation, when he is, when he is a fine, strapping young man with competitive, athletic ability and no abusive tendencies. I do all this recalibration of his destiny in a matter of seconds. I've raised an entire human being in my mind. He's fine. He's safe. Do my thoughts make any difference? Does prayer make a difference? Can powerful intentions 
start a separate timeline of events in another dimension of reality. Nothing's changed, I realize. Nothing's different. This brave little child picks himself up and walks back to the shore to join his siblings while the dad continues to stare out at the lake. The whole revolting cycle of love and violence starts to play out in my mind. The same guy who just hit his kid will be the one tucking him into bed. If not tonight, then tomorrow. What kind of horror is that? To be five years old and to know that the person you have to accept love from could at any moment be the person who ends your life. So I'll end by playing, I think, I'm not going to play the whole thing, but also sort of this, this clip from the Bill Maher show, the, it shows the complexity of, of society, the hypocrisy, the, the ignorance of our entertainment industry. I, I've said, you know, it's always interesting to me when people try to understand why somebody kills somebody or why there's a mass shooting. And we want to say it's mental health or easy access to guns or overexposure of violence in film, um, bad parenting, being bullied. And it's very possible it's all of these things. If you just live in this world of ours, watching television, reading the news, being on social media, seeing what gets attention... I think it's going to make you feel instantly more anxious, potentially corrupt you morally. And if you don't have loving parents, if you don't have good teachers, good friends, God only knows where your head will go. And I think we're completely missing the boat if we don't think the pornographic slash almost unrealistic, beautiful way in which Hollywood portrays violence, if we don't think that that's a reason why we live in such a violent world, then I think we're missing the boat. And I've been saying this for probably a couple of years now. And, and I certainly love television. I love movies. Die Hard was one of my favorite movies as a kid. Uh, but I'm watching a show right now called Candy on Hulu, and it's fantastic. But um, the way that violence is portrayed, it, it just, it, there's this beautification to it. Um, people get away with things. There are no repercussions. And I think it's something that we really need to think about as a society. You know, what are you allowing your kids, if you have them, to watch every day? You know, and, and Bill Maher talks even a lot about pornography. The ease in which kids and people can see porn on their phone at any time of day. The ease at which people can see violence at any time of day on their phone. This clearly is having an effect. And I think we're just ignorant or our head is in the clouds if we don't think that is the truth. Let me play you this uh, pretty powerful clip and I will let you go. 
age of uber corporate responsibility where every large company in America bends over backwards to get on the politically correct side of every issue, Hollywood has to tell us, why doesn't that include gun violence? scream do something after a mass shooting why aren't we also dealing with the fact that the average american kid sees 200,000 acts of violence on screens before the age of 18 and that according to the fbi one of the warning signs of a potential school shooter is a fascination with violence-filled entertainment it's funny hollywood is the wokest place on earth in every other area of social responsibility They have intimacy coordinators on set to chaperone sex scenes. They hire sensitivity readers to go through and edit scripts. Disney stood up to the Don't Say Gay law. Another studio spent $10 million to digitally remove Kevin Spacey from a movie. But when it comes to the unbridled romanticization of gun violence, crickets. Weird. The only thing we don't call a trigger is the one that actually has a trigger. If you make a movie today... You can't show bullying, fat shaming, slut shaming, girl chasing, gay baiting, ethnic stereotypes, or underage hookups where drinking is involved. You know what we used to call comedies. But those those things are bad, and everyone knows you can't platform bad things. You know what you can still platform? One guy who's the hero getting over a grudge by mowing down a multitude of human beings. Because no impressionable young male would ever imitate that. Now, the usual suspects on the far left will say that I'm delivering some sort of conservative rant here or that I'm undermining gun control. No, it's neither. It's just what's real. There's a pie chart of why mass shootings happen, and we don't know exactly how much of each of the pieces is responsible, but the major ones are mental health, That is, broken young men who feel like losers and want the world to hurt like they do. Easy access to guns. Kids having smartphones, which makes losers feel even worse because of the bullying and all the fake lives that look better than theirs. And yes, yes, crazy amounts of gun violence in movies and TV. We don't show movie characters smoking anymore because it might look cool and influence children. But you're telling me these cool dudes don't influence them? I think about that a lot, you know, influence, influencers. It's been such a powerful, uh, catchy word over the last few years. What's influencing you? Your emotions, your response. You know, when is it okay to react? When is it okay to say something? Or when is it okay to just give yourself permission to not react just yet? Let a few days go by and reflect a bit. There's no time for reflection anymore. The, the world is not interested in your reflection. Um, we just need to react. React, react, react. Spew out our opinions everywhere. Be as inflammatory as possible. Be over the top to get your attention. And around and around, the merry-go-round goes. Got my guitar. 
Here, I'll play a little guitar and let you go. Again, I'm Eddie Cohen. I think I just sort of like raced into this podcast today. I, I don't know why I was in such a hurry. I think I feel sometimes like, um, you know, your time is valuable, but I also think, gosh, what is, are you actually able to sit through a podcast episode without being distracted? So I'm Eddie Cohn, obviously host, creator of the show. If you enjoyed today's episode, please, please, please share it with your friends. I've got a bunch of great episodes in the library. Head over to iTunes and write a review. Got some episodes lined up that I have to edit that should be coming your way in the next few weeks. You know where to find me on social, at Eddie Cohn. speak to you all soon. As always, thanks for listening, supporting, and being a part of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast. Mm -hmm.